are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locks On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Your always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, then just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you listening, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, doing all that jazz for me so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But what are we talking about on today's podcast? Well, the first segment, I want to break down Brent Strom, new D-backs pitching coach, his background, the players he helped in the past. I want to talk about which D-backs pitchers can he help out? What areas do the D-backs need help in? Before we talk to Armland of Locked On MLB Prospects and Locked On Marlins about the MVP finalists, we break down the cases for each player and we tell you who we think should win the MVP. So it's a whole podcast. It's a jam-packed podcast as always. But first, intro drop. <laughs> Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here. Let's talk about Brent Strom, new pitching coach for the new pitching coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks because this is someone who I think can make a major impact in the D-backs organization. They already hired Joe Mather to be their hitting coach not too long ago. And now they add Brent Strom to the pitching staff. And this is a huge move, D-backs fans. This is someone who was contemplating retirement but decided to not go that route and come back to baseball for another season and come to the D-backs, a place where... He already has a home down in Tucson, so it made his decision a little bit easier because he is the oldest pitching coach in baseball at 73, so he did have to wait. Do I want to go to baseball for another year or do I want to retire in sunny Arizona? And he figured, since I'm already going to be in Arizona, might as well work for the D-backs and continue to further my resume as maybe the best pitching coach in baseball because this guy has been with the Houston Astros from 2014 to 2021 and listen to some of the stats under Strom with the Houston Astros. The Astros ranked 7th in the majors in ERA at 3.76 during that stretch. 2014 was the only year they didn't finish top 7 in ERA. 2020 was the only year they didn't finish top 5 in ERA in major leagues. 2014 was the only year the Astros staff wasn't top 8 in whip. 2014 was the only year the Astros staff wasn't top 6 in strikeouts per 9. And every year since 2014, the Astros have been top 7 in home runs per 9 allowed. So, under... Brent Strom, the Astros are dominant in ERA, 
strikeouts per nine and home runs allowed and whip so you're not getting a lot of hits off this Astro staff and they're punching you out with strikeouts they're not letting you come back in big chunks with home runs so that's why that Astro staff was so dominant the last few years and it also helps that they had great talent like Dallas Keuchel, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke under the tutelage, Charlie Morton under the tutelage of Brent Strom so it definitely helps it's a lot easier to have a quality pitching staff pitching rotation when you have elite players, elite talent. I'm not sure the D-backs are going to have players like that for Brent Strom, but they're going to have some pretty high-level pitchers. You know, still Zach Gallon, still Madison Bumgarner. That a Brent Strom can help uh, help rejuvenate in some areas and help get back on track in other areas. And when you look at some of those talented players that Brent Strom had, when you look at the the before and after Working with Strom, there is a clear difference because even though we considered the Garrett Coles, the Justin Verlanders, the Dallas Keuchel's all-star level pitchers, superstar pitchers in their prime, they did get considerably better under a Strom. Garrett Cole in Pittsburgh, a 3-5 ERA, 3-2-7 FIP, 1-2-1 whip, 8.4 strikeouts per nine. When you look at those numbers compared to what he did in Houston, he clearly got better. A 2.6 ERA compared to a 3.5, 2.67 FIP compared to a 3.27, 0.96 whip compared to a 1.21, 6.2 hits per nine compared to 8.6, and 13 strikeouts per nine compared to just eight and a half. Garrett Cole got considerably better under Brent Strom. Look at Justin Verlander. We know he was a stud in Detroit, but he actually even got better even though he was like 37, 38 years old with Houston. He actually got better with the Astros because in the previous, if you just look at the previous five seasons with the Tigers, Verlander had an ERA around three, 8.5 strikeouts per nine. He was really solid, but in Houston, a 2-4-5 ERA, 12 strikeouts per nine. Like, he went to another level. Don't forget, he won a Cy Young Award in Houston as well. So, this is someone who went to another level later in his career. That shows you that maybe there's even hope for Madison Bumgarner. And the there's still a couple of other players we could look at, too. A Dallas Keuchel had 30 starts before coming to Strom. In those starts, he had an ERA above 5, a whip around 1.5, and FIP around 5. But when he got Strom, Dallas Keuchel's career took off. His very first season, he had a 2.93. The previous two years, it was above a 5. First season under Strom, 293. Second season, 248 ERA and a Cy Young Award. You look at Charlie Morin, ERA around 43, uh, strikeouts per nine around seven, 1.3 whip, 4.03 FIP. He was a solid pitcher, but he was not an all star level pitcher. He was not the two or three kind of starter he is now. When he came to Houston, he showed the potential and the ceiling, and he was productive enough to be considered a two or three in a playoff rotation because he had a 3-3-6 ERA in Houston compared to 4.3 ERA when he pitched in the National League. A 3-5-3 FIP compared to a just 4.03 FIP. His strikeouts per nine went from 7 to 10.4 in Houston. He got better across the board, and that's where the D-backs are going to need help with. They're going to need help getting better across the board. 
The D-backs were dead last in the National League in ERA as a rotation and a staff, not just a rotation. The whole pitching staff was dead last in the National League in ERA with a 5.11. Least amount of shutouts by team in the National League with just four. That's not by the starters. That's by the whole team, so one or more pitchers. Second worst whip in the National League, 1.436. Second worst strikeouts per nine at 7.9. And tied for the worst, FIP at 4.88. All the areas that uh, a team under Strom has improved in, the players have improved in, the strikeouts per nine, the whip, the FIP, the ERA, those are four major categories that wherever Strom has gone, his team has gone better, and his pitchers have gone better in those areas. So for the D-backs, if they get better those four areas, the four traditional main stats when it comes to pitchers, I think Brett Strom could really unlock the pitching staff and rotation and get those four areas to above league average not just league average but above league average because the d-backs are going to need above average pitching i think there's a better i think there's a better path for the z-backs team to be relevant in the near future through their pitching staff rotation and bullpen than their lineup so because of that brent strom is going to be a critical piece to this D-backs coaching staff, this D-backs future, and if he can really do what he did in Houston and bring it to Arizona, this is going to be a bright future for a very young Arizona Diamondbacks pitching staff. Now I'll talk about which players can benefit most from a Brent Strom, but first, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and get a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss which players we think can benefit most from Brent Strom before talking to Arm Layton about the MVP finalists because there are a few pitchers in this rotation that could that I think Brent Strom can help out tremendously. And the first one is a Zach Gallon, the man, the myth, the legend, the best pitcher in this rotation easily. The face of the pitching staff is Zach Gallon. And he was not very good this season. He had an ERA around four, still double-digit strikeouts per nine, but it was very clearly not the same Zach Gallon when he went out there to pitch. He just seemed to be the average version of himself. So Brent Strom can hopefully get him back on track because this guy had an ERA about 2.8 his first two years in D-backs uniform. Don't forget, he had the longest streak to start your major league career, allowing three earned runs or fewer. So we know Zach Gallon has the stuff. We know he has the talent. He's got mid-90s fastball. He's got secondary pitches. Zach Gallon is a pretty good pitcher. I think he's the number one pitcher, but he's not on the level of a Dick Rom or guys of that nature. He's not a superstar number one. I think he's a number one. I think he has potential to be in the Cy Young mix, but he's not on the level of a Dick Rom and the Chris Sales and guys like that. And maybe 
uh, Strom could get him to that level. If he can't unlock a Zach Allen and get him to that superstar number one level, that will only be even better for the D-backs. The next pitcher that I really want Strom to help out with is Luke Weaver, who has to be the biggest enigma, the biggest headache, question mark, whatever you want to call it. They're just, I just don't know what to do with Luke Weaver. We keep talking about him on this pod. We look at the numbers. We try to break down the stats, the quotes, but I just don't know what to do with Luke Weaver. This guy was pretty good in 2019 before the injury, around a 2.94 ERA. But ever since then, he's dealt with injuries. He's troubled staying on the field. His confidence looks shot. And his pitching arsenal just is not as good as what it once was. He does not have the trust and the confidence in those secondary pitches. He's basically a fastball changeup kind of guy. If you look at his numbers when he first came to Arizona in 2019, he uses fastball changeup around, you know, 70% of the time. And it has risen every season. He used this fastball changeup like over 85 to almost 90% of the time in 2021. His cutter and curveball usage just has shrunk over the last three years to the point where he barely throws it anymore. And I don't know why he does that. I don't know if the D-backs are coaching him to use less of his secondary pitchers pitches because they may not be as effective i'm not sure what's going on with luke weaver but whatever strom does and tell him uh, whatever strom tells him to do i want luke weaver to listen because this guy has too much of a track record of success with struggling pitchers for luke weaver to not take his advice to heart so luke weaver I just want you to lock yourself in a room with Brent Strom for 24 hours and just let him rip you apart. Make it like an arbitration hearing. Let Brent Strom rip you apart and tell you everything that's wrong with your game and your pitching style. Because if you go through that process and listen to Brent Strom, I think you're going to be better for it on the other end. So Brent Strom, please lock yourself in a room with Luke Weaver. And then the next two guys, actually I have three more guys, but these next two get grouped together. as J.B. Berskakis and Corbin Martin. Two rookies we were super excited about before the start of the season. Some of it was because of what we saw in spring training. Some of it was just because the scouting reports and, you know, the beat riders, the talk around spring training and how those guys were looking. So they got us hyped in, got us amped up and got our expectation levels, at least mine, maybe higher than they should have been. And they both just didn't look ready for the major leagues in 2021. Martin had more walks and strikeouts and had an ERA above 10. Buskakis had an ERA above seven. So he was a much better Strom, remember, was in the Astros organization when those two were in the Astros organization. So there might be some familiarity there. I'm sorry if I butchered that word, but those two might be familiar. Those three might be familiar with each other already. So it might not be too tough of a transition for those two to work with Strom. So I'm really excited to see how that that trio works together because I think Marion and Buskakis are kind of in the same boat together. So need Strom to unlock the potential of those two young guys. And then the last guy who might be kind of forgotten by the D-backs is Kevin Ginkle, who was dominant in 2019. 148 ERA, 309 FIP, so wasn't it, it didn't look super fluky. A 0.98 whip, a three, he only averaged about three walks per nine innings. Like this guy did it all, but since 2019, he's got an ERA above six the next two seasons, a whip around 1.8, a FIP around 5.8, around five and a half walks per nine. Like this guy has not been able to keep dudes off the base paths, and I don't know. And I don't know why. We've seen the talent from this guy. I believe this guy has potential, a closer potential within him. I think Kevin Ginkle could be a back-end reliever in the right situation. But right now, he hasn't looked like it in 
three seasons, two seasons really, 2019 to 2021. That's just two seasons. He looked good in 2019. So I'm praying Kevin Ginkle could get back to that 2019 form that had us razzling and dazzling. I'm hoping Brent Strom could do that. I've been losing confidence in Kevin Ginkle, but if anyone could get him back on track, it has to be Brent Strom. Now let's talk about those MVP finalists where Aram Land of Locked On and will be prospects. Let's talk about MVP now, Arm, and let's first start with the National League. You got three finalists, of course, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. Harper really came on strong in the second half. He led the majors in slugging with 615, a slugging percentage, OPS 1044. You got Juan Soto, who was putting up a crazy slash line of 313, 465, 534, 29 home runs. And then you got Fernando Tatis, who did so much for his team. He led his he led the league in home runs and steals finished first in the nl in home runs at 42 uh 25 stolen bases which was third a 975 ops who are you leaning toward for mvp in the national league because i think this is a pretty tough one it's really tough and it's a shame that tatis missed time otherwise mm-hmm. you know i think i can i'd consider him but also the way the padres faded uh, makes it kind of hard as well yeah. and, moving to the outfield and he was so special and i think he'll get his mvp i'm not too worried about that it's really tough between harper and soto because soto was so dominant in the second half as well especially down the stretch i mean he got on base over five uh, over a 500 clip in the second half i mean that's just ridiculous more than half of the time he's getting on base but also he took a lot of walks he didn't hit for as much power as harper who was doing it for a team that was basically dead in the water and he carried them to relevancy down the stretch and i think this guy that's got to matter right like he carried them and kept them alive when you know that team would have been well out of the hunt in july and he kept them in it to the last couple you know maybe the last two weeks of the season last week of the season or so there's got to be a value to that i felt like harper was barely seeing any pitches to hit he'd see one pitch to hit a game and he'd hit it out and he'd go one for one with a homer and three walks it's just that to me is the most valuable player. Uh, Soto had an incredible year. I just think when you're looking at what the Phillies, what he meant to the Phillies in Harper, that's that's my MVP. Yeah, how much do you actually play record into these awards? Because I know a lot of people are like, look, one guy can't, you know, change the fortune of a team. But I'm like, still, if one guy had a team that made the postseason by a little bit, one guy, his team was like last place in his division. Like, I'm probably gonna give the nod to a guy whose team made the postseason. So where do you fall on that debate? Yeah, it's tough because I think it's situational. And as much as people Mm -hmm. don't want to pretend that there's a narrative behind it, there's always a narrative influencing who, how you're voting for the MVP or how these guys are voting for the MVP. And I look at Juan Soto, they burn the team down around him. And that definitely, you know, you'd think that would make it harder on him, but it didn't. He got pitched around a ton and he took his walks and he got on base a lot. And he didn't have the pressure to really have to produce. So as they pitched around him, he, he walked a ton. I think he walked like 30% of the time <laughs> in the last month. And, and that really boosts the on base. That's why his on base was so high. When I look at Harper, he's a guy that's like, okay, my offense isn't doing anything right now. And we need to score. I might see one pitch to hit. I better hit it out. And he was doing that. I mean, he was hitting bomb after bomb after bomb down the stretch and so many doubles, so many extra base hits. He slugged, I think, 70-something points higher than Juan Soto. I just think with the damage that Harper was doing uh, for a team that desperately needed it, I'd put a little bit more weight on the team that really needed him to do it. And, and he felt that pressure and he, you know, rose to the occasion. 
Aram and I will wrap up the podcast, but I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats, and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with the coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar too. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check this site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to build.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right, let's wrap up the pod. Yeah, I think I'm going to lean toward Harper for all the reasons you said. And it's kind of hard to give it to Tatis, especially the way his team collapsed. It was like if it was like a Blue Jays type situation where his team was battling and just missed out because it was like a tiebreaker situation, whatever. But this Padres team, I think, had like one more win than the D-backs after the All-Star break. Like this team fell off a map and it wasn't like it was Tatis's fault. He was still putting up numbers, but... This team just wasn't the same, and if you're an MVP, you probably get your team to the postseason, even though one guy can't do it all. With the lead that they had, how good their team was, the talent, I I was just disappointed, and it would just leave a bad taste in my mouth if Tatis ended up winning the award. So I'm going with a Bryce Harper, too. It's just hard to vote for a team, a guy on the team that just had no chance of making the postseason in Juan Soto and the Nationals. So I agree with you, Armland, for all the reasons you said. So let's wrap it up now. One last one. American League MVP. This one, I think, is really coming down to two guys. They got to throw a third dude in here with Marcus Simeon. But I think it's really going to be the Otani versus Vlad Guerrero Jr. So, honestly, Simeon, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to bring you up here because I think everyone's voting for either Otani, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't even think I have to tell you the numbers. Guerrero Jr. was phenomenal. He was basically the best position player in baseball in the American League. And Otani was just the best overall player when you consider his pitching, of course, and his hitting and what he can do from every facet of the game. So, Arm, both these teams missed the postseason, but for different reasons. But who do you lean with for MVP? And again, this is one of the first times all three finalists were guys whose teams didn't make the postseason, which is interesting. I don't know if that's a very good look for baseball to say, let's just give out MVPs to players on awful teams, even though the Blue Jays weren't awful. Let's give it out awards to players on teams that don't matter at all. So, Arm, where do you lean for MVP in the American League? Yeah, you know, any other year, I think it's Vlad Guerrero in a runaway. But yeah. You're looking at Shohei Otani, who did something we've never really seen before. You've got to give it to the guy that did something we've never seen before, right? He pitched well. Like, he was a top 30 pitcher in baseball, probably, maybe even better than that. I'd say probably top 20 starter uh, for most of the year. Then also is pacing baseball for much of the year in homers. And, oh, by the way, he's fast, too, and stole 20-plus bags. Like, he's not from this planet. I think that, you know, just – 
the pure nature of like people mentioned Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth didn't do this. Like this is something we've never seen. I've got to give it to him. And it's really a shame because I mean, what Vlad Jr. did was so amazing. But the fact that we're even talking about Vlad Jr. after the year that Otani had just says, I think, how special Vladdy was offensively this year. But uh, when you're a pioneer, you got to win the MVP. And that's exactly what Otani was. Yeah, I don't know if this is a dumb take, but basically I felt like if the Blue Jays make the postseason, I think I'm going to lean with Vlad Guerrero Jr. But since we're talking about two non-playoff teams, as good as Vlad Guerrero Jr. was, I think I have to give it to Otani as uh, as well because what's been the big knock on the Angels franchise during the Mike Trout era? They just can't find pitching. So what did they do? They found not only a number two guy to go with their Mike Trout in the lineup, but they also found their number one starter, basically, yeah. in Otani, who's only allowed to pitch like every seven days because he's also their best slugger without a Mike Trout in the lineup. So because of that, I think I have to give it to Otani. It's not like the Angels were terrible. I don't have their record off the top of my bat, uh, off the top of my head, but they were like, what, 12-ish games below 500. I want to say they were probably around 69, 70 wins. So they weren't like complete. They weren't Arizona Diamondbacks bad. I think they had a little bit more fight to them. Without Otani, they're Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, because he literally did everything, right? Like, he was their ace and he was their best hitter. And so without him, he literally – that team is is maybe one of the worst in baseball. Yeah, he and fans – The guy that did it all. And ESPN fancy needs to uh, fix their what, – whatever they had it where you can only play Otani as a pitcher or a position player on certain days. Like, if the dude is doing both on the same day, then let the stats count for both and let yeah. the numbers count for both. So I don't understand why ESPN even did that. Yeah, I mean, again, it just kind of shows how much of a pioneer he is. that He's breaking fantasy. Do you think he goes number one in fantasy next year? No question. He has to, right? Like, yeah. You're getting a stud pitcher and a, and a stud hitter, and he's also stealing bases for you. Like, no matter what league you're in, that that's crazy. Yeah, I think he was like 500 points better more than like the next player in my fantasy league or something. It was just something insane. I was the commission of my fantasy league, and I think next season I might make stolen bases basically as valuable as home runs because no one steals in baseball anymore. So I, I think about – I think I might do something wacky in my fantasy baseball league next year. But just to recap, Arm Lane, let's go through the awards once again. National League, Corbin Burns, Cy Young? Yeah. All right. American League, I'm saying Robbie Ray. Are you going Robbie Ray or are you going Garrett Cole? I'm going Robbie Ray. All right, Robbie Ray. MVP, National League, we're both saying Bryce Harper? Yep. All right. And then MVP, American League, Otani for both of us We agree on all of these. We agree on all of these. Yeah, I guess uh yeah, I guess it was tough. I guess in the end we agreed. Maybe I disagreed with you because I didn't want to look dumb and if I had to go down, I'm gonna go down with you, Armory. So <laughs> hey, sounds I had good. To, I had Join to just me. hop on the hop on the bandwagon. I know it says it there for the YouTube viewers, but for the people listening to today's podcast, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Armlayton8 on Twitter. And then, of course, uh, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast as well. I'll be talking about the D-back system very soon. Uh, and also writing it up at JustBaseball.com, uh, which uh, I'm really excited to be doing some off-season previews. So I'll be off-season previewing the D-backs as well. Uh, I might trade Cattell Marte. I'm sorry, but <laughs> might, might get you guys a nice little haul. We'll see what, we'll see what I do in the off-season preview. But uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited about that too. But thanks for having me on, man. Off the top of your head, what's the number one destination if you had the perfect place for Ketel Marte? Because, listen, you don't understand how many times I have to tell people when they come on this podcast, 
we're not trading Ketel Marte. He's in the club <laughs> control for a few more years. He's making like dirt money. Like the dude is cheap and he's our best player. Like he's not going anywhere. But in the scenario that he does get traded, where's the place that you think needs him more and the D-backs can maximize the most value? Just a little tease for that offseason article. I, you're going to hate it with the Yankees. Uh, okay, I'm done. You're getting, <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting removed from the stream arm. <laughs> and the Marlins because I want him on my team. Of course. Can we get Jazz back in that deal then? I'll <laughs> get you Jazz back. Yeah. I like Jazz a lot. He, he's got a nice little profile. I like him in fantasy. So we'll, we'll see for next year. I might have and to he's, draft him he's in got, fantasy. He's got that swag too. I love, I love the way he carries himself. He's got that swag for sure. And Arm, you got some swag to yourself. Too, sir. So thank you for hopping on today's pod. Locked on Marlins host and locked on MLB prospects host Arm Layton, breaking down the D-backs prospects, finalists for the awards. Arm, thank you for hopping on today, sir, and thank you for sharing your time. Thanks for having me, man. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow with more Dimebacks news coverage and insight probably breaking down some free agency talk what free agents should the d-backs go after i think that's what i really want to talk about on tomorrow's pod but go make your second listen locked on bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs locked on bets hosted by your boy q with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling and of course please while you're out there stay safe and stay healthy deuces